then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man walked out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. I read it that way because I wanted to see if I could invoke in you the sense of Jesus' frustration. Yes. There is a sense in this text that Jesus has been with these people long enough now for them to know what he is capable of doing. You cannot bring to Jesus a problem that is his will to solve that Jesus will not solve. However, as I prepare my messages weekly and including today, I like to think about where people are in their lives. As I look around and watch the news, there, there seems to be a very deep sense of despair in society. In other words, there is a sense of hopelessness that is permeating our society, yet I am struggling a little bit because I wonder sometimes if the Christian church really knows who Jesus is. We seem to be lost sometimes in this maze of confusion and despair. From COVID-19 to racial intolerance, unemployment, and all points in between, it seems like the only alternative we have as people of faith is just to throw our hands up in the air and just be exasperated and say, you know what? What's the point of it all? It seems to me that we have worked that all that we have worked for over the last few hundred years seems to be all for naught because why? Because, because of all that we are seeing and in our hearts and our minds, for many of us, it's like the election can't come soon enough. Well, in light of all of that, today I want to talk to you, my brothers and my sisters, about hope. How in, the, how in spite of all that we are seeing, can we really have hope? Well, the fact of the matter is, we can. We can have hope. And so today, despite all the hindrances that you may be facing in your life, despite all the challenges that may be coming forefront to you in your life right now in this moment, despite all that your eyes see and what you tend to believe, I want you to understand something, that our God is a God of hope. And so, today, and for a title for my message, I'm going to preach, remove the stone. Remove the stone. Let us pray. Father, we have now come to the preaching hour. Lord, we've offered you our worship. We've offered you our attention. And now, Lord, we need you to speak to our imagination. Use, Lord, the scriptures now, Lord, and open it up into our hearts and our minds and let us see new truth, new ways that we may not have even imagined were possible. Thank you, Father, for this ministry, this great African Methodist Episcopal Church that had stood the test of time from its founding when many believed that as a people, we did not have hope. What may have seemed like a dead situation, you have turned around and you, God, will get the glory. So, Father, we ask you to show us again. Remind us, God, of who you are in Jesus' name. And the church all over the world 
we say amen. It seems to me today that there is very little that we see around us that would cause us to have much hope. As I said in preparing for this sermon, I think about a lot of things about where people are, and in particular this week, I thought about the Kentucky's Attorney General and when he had made the decision to go to the grand jury in the case involving Miss Brianna Taylor, who was murdered. The decision at the time was greeted with shouts of cautious jubilation as it represented for the protesters and for many of us all around the country the possibility that justice for Brianna might in fact be served. In short, we had hope. I reflected on this upcoming election and how challenging and disrupting the past four years had been. I, I looked at the great lengths that this administration and the Republicans have gone to, to try to suppress our vote, especially the vote of African Americans. Yet people in record numbers are voting early and are turning in their absentee ballots. And while people are voting early, some are standing in line some three, six, even eight hours just to cast their vote and to make their voices heard. In short, these early voters have hope. What is this thing called hope? And how do you even get it in the midst of despair? And, and, and if you do even have it, what is it about it that makes it possible for someone to rise above the obvious challenges of their circumstances? What is this thing called hope? In our story, we are confronted with Jesus arriving at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And in the story, Mary and Martha, at the death of their brother Lazarus, comes to Jesus and they are a little bit disturbed. In brief, we know that Lazarus had been sick. And when Jesus got the word of Lazarus being sick, he, he, he hung around longer than he normally would. In other words, Jesus did not have an urgency to get to his friend Lazarus, who was sick. Text tells us Jesus hung around two more days in a place where it would take him an additional two days to get to Lazarus. And, and when Jesus finally shows up in Bethany, Martha, in her disappointment and in her grief, literally attacks Jesus by saying, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. For the fact of the matter is, Martha knew that Jesus had the ability to heal people. Later on, her sister Mary comes up and is also accusing Jesus that if he had been here, Lazarus would not have died. And by the time Jesus comes to the grave of Lazarus, he had been sealed in a tomb for four days. In other words, he had been dead for four days, locked behind this stone in a tomb. In other words, another way of saying this is there was no hope. Not only was there no hope, this was even beyond spirit of Lazarus would not return to the dead according to the custom of the Jews. And in fact, the Jews commented that, that, that since Jesus had healed others, he could have prevented the death of Lazarus. So now Jesus commands a stone in front of the grave to be removed. And here comes Martha again, objecting, saying, 
Lord, the body has been in that tomb for four days. It's already decaying. It is already stinking. Jesus challenged her by saying that if you would only believe, did I not tell you that you would see the glory of God? Then they removed the stone. The text tells us Jesus then prayed aloud that people might hear him. And he shouts, Lazarus, come forth from the grave. Now the next text is of real importance. Because the text tells us then, and the dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with grave clothes. Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. Now, it would be very easy for me to get a little bogged down into the details of the story at this point. And there are so many layers to this story and so many levels of truth that, that I can't possibly address them all in this message. I will, however focus on this particular aspect of the story, which is the single salient event that I believe holds a truth that is critical for us to understand this idea of having hope and being ultimately set free. According to our story, Jesus arrives at the scene and what Jesus is met with, not that he was met with Martha and her unbelief, not that he was met with Mary and her unbelief, not that he was met with all these people who are saying, listen, you can heal, but it's a little too late. What Jesus was actually met with, my brothers and my sisters, is, and I want you to hear me clearly, is not all these things that people were saying. What Jesus was met with was something called doubt. Doubt. In other words, you may not have a dead Lazarus situation in your life right now, but I guarantee you that there's a part of you that wants to see something better in your life, but there is something blocking you, and I'm telling you that something just might be doubt. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if you had been here, my marriage would have worked out. If you had been here, my children would be fine. Lord, if you had been here and I'm coming down your street, I would not have been molested. Lord, if you had been here, I would have a job. Lord, if you had been here, I would have finished school. Lord, if I had been, you had been here, I would be free from drugs and alcohol. Lord, if you had been here, my dad would have stayed. Lord, if you had been here, my life would be better. Jesus, if only you had been here. But the question is, is that really true? If Jesus had been here, would you have had a different outcome in your present situation and the circumstances of your life. Another way to interpret this then, since I'm asking this question, is not, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Or, Lord, if you had been here, all the things that I'd, that I'd outlined would not have happened. The real thing that we are saying to Jesus with this doubt that is crippling us is, Lord, it's your fault. Jesus, it is your fault that Everything going wrong in my life is going on because if you had been here, it would not have happened. You see, we can make this nice. We can preach this very easy and say, Lord, if you had been here. But the truth of the matter is when doubt sets into your heart, when you believe that the thing that is confronting you is much greater than the Jesus who has arrived, the doubt will cause you to pass blame. 
And the only reason why you pass blame on God and on Jesus for all the circumstances in your life, and I'm going to tell it like it is and say it plain, is because, my brothers and sisters, the truth is you probably don't know who God is. You probably don't really know who Jesus is. And so you allow doubt to come into your mind and to really run rampant all over you. But my truth is today, brothers and sisters, is that right now, rather than doubt the faith, of who Jesus is, doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubts and the things that are interfering with you exercising faith and hope. Maybe, maybe Jesus does not care about me as I would like to think because if Jesus really cared for me, I would not be struggling to make my rent or my mortgage. If Jesus really cared for me, why am I feeling like Martha and Mary and believing that there isn't any reason to have hope? Well, the truth is, Jesus does care. But there is something very real and there is something very tangible, as I said before, standing between your feeling of despair and your having hope. Something is nestled right in the middle of your feelings of despair, and the hope that you need. Something is in the middle. And my brothers and my sisters, I submit to you today that that thing in the middle between your despair and your hope is a stone. A stone. A huge stone. A stone is a boulder of, 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 a, of a large size that is not designed to be removed by the strength of any one person. Literally speaking, the presence of a stone at a grave is, a, is an indicator of the finality of death. It, it, it's, it, it, in another way, it is, it is not specifically a symbol of death itself, but it does represent a form of separation from that which is alive, from that which is dead. In other words, the stone hinders and it facilitates the, 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 the separation of hope from despair. But from a spiritual perspective, there is something in all of us that cries to be free and alive. Something that God has ordained for us to do. And until we do it, we feel a sense of binding and spiritual impotence that causes us to feel almost dead. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying, but I think that when our bishop and supervisor said to us that we need to reimagine ministry in this present age, what they're really saying, if we really want to understand it, is not just simply to, to think of a new way or to think of something better or different. It's more or less getting free of the thing that binds us. In our minds, we believe that we are incapacitated, that we are so impotent that because of COVID-19 and because of COVID-45, we are crippled and, and we are not able to do the things that God wants us to do. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, without getting too far ahead of myself, Jesus is coming this way. And when Jesus comes this way, whatever is binding us, whatever is tying us, he's simply going to say, unbind them and let them loose. We are in a day and an age where the church needs to hear that you are now unbound and you are to be loosed. Dead in our souls. Dead in our homes. Dead in our marriages. Dead in our jobs. Dead in our lifestyles. Just plain 
dead. And there is a big boulder, this big stone that hinders our ability to break free and to feel alive. That boulder or stone, it manifests itself, well hear me church, in the form of complacency. It manifests itself in the form of laziness, excuses, procrastination, envies, people-pleasing, jealousies, guile, guilt, shame, feelings of abandonment, generational curses, legalism, religious and social traditions, culture, bad habits, performance, and gender confusion and addictions. That's the stone. Manifestations that are so huge and so familiar to us that by our own strength, we've been trying to remove so we can be set free. But as I told you before, my brothers and sisters, when the stone separates you from despair and hope, that stone is too large for any one person to remove. These manifestations have for so long been so part of our everyday lives that the prospect of them being removed so that we can walk in true freedom feels almost like a fantasy. This is the reason why we have to reimagine because the fact of the matter is what we are seeing is allowing us to think of something that is not when God is saying something can be. Some of you I've had to live with some real boulders in life that are not just four days old, but years and decades in the making. And as such, you have lost all hope of ever being free. But thanks be to God, Jesus came. Yes, Lazarus might have been dead for four days and is now a stinking corpse. Yes, your marriage might have been stagnant for over eight years and is a mere shell of a relationship. Yes, you have been fighting with the bank to refinance your mortgage for six years now. Yes, you have not had a steady job or you don't make enough and the bills seem get, it seems to be getting higher and higher. Yes, you have lost your job during this pandemic and things seem to be getting worse. But oh, my brothers and my sisters, Thanks be to God, here comes Jesus, Jesus in all his glory, coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, coming as the righteous Son of Man, that bright and morning star, the one who is the first and the last, the author and the finisher of our faith. And not only does he come, he comes with a word. And what is the word? I don't know what your stone is in your life. I don't know what's blocking you between despair and hope, but here comes Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, and he has a word, and that word today, my brothers and my sisters, is not coming from the pastor, it's not coming from the musician, it's not coming from the bishop. This word is coming from Jesus. And Jesus says, remove the stone. Jesus says, remove the stone. And when Jesus says, remove the stone, complacency, laziness, excuses, procrastination, envies, people-pleasing, jealousies, guile, guilt, Shame, abandonment, generational curses, legalism, religious and social traditions, culture, bad habits, performance, 
gender confusion and addictions has to move. Remove the stone. This is the power of hope. Jesus could have removed the stone himself. Much in the same way that we want God to remove the stones in our lives. But my beloved, I want to make sure that you don't miss this point. Jesus, in all his glory, he asked the people to remove the stone. That is the basis of hope. We are the church of God. We are the ones that God himself has empowered through his death and his resurrection to be the agents, hear me clearly, the agents of stone removal. It is our specialty. We have been trained. We have been forged in the crucible of adversity all these years, particularly as a people of African descent. We have been forged in that fire that has brought us out to be purified as pure gold, endowed with the Holy Spirit and the power of God to what? To remove the stones. Now, I'm probably going to get criticized, which is fine. But I've said, as long as I've been wearing a robe, I have said that the hope, the hope of this United States nation does not rest in who's sitting in the White House. The hope of these United States does not rest in the halls of Congress or even in a crooked Supreme Court. And I said it, the hope of this nation, hear me clearly, is always going to be in Jesus. But what Jesus has left here is the hope for this nation. And that is the spirit of the African-American. The spirit of the African-American. As long as we still pray for this nation, as long as we still believe that this nation can move towards being a more perfect union, as long as we believe that there is a possibility that there will still be a fair justice system, as long as we believe that this nation has the possibility of hope. But woe unto this nation, woe unto these parasites and hypocrites when the spirit of the African-American decides to stop praying for this nation. See, it had been four days, four days of mourning, four days of crying, four days of waiting on Jesus who had not yet shown up. And by this time, while they were glad that Jesus was there to comfort them, they really had no idea that Jesus could turn what seems like a hopeless situation around. You see, they could not reimagine ministry in that present age. They did not see the need to take away the stone because the body was already a stinking corpse. They did not see the need to take away the stone because their brother was past help in their own minds. They did not see the need to take away the stone because they had already lost hope and was living in the place of despair. So Jesus' request that they take away the stone was a request that required faith on their behalf, but he wanted them to participate in their own breakthrough. Now after the stone was removed, the Bible tells us that Jesus with a loud voice shouted, Lazarus, come forth. 
And with that man who had been dead for four days came out of the grave alive, but bound in the grave clothes of where he had been. Jesus demonstrated that he had a power to take what you and I believe to be dead and to make it alive again, whatever it is that you see in your life and believe is dead. I am telling you unequivocally and without hesitation that Jesus has the power, the capacity, and the wherewithal to make your Lazarus come forth, no matter what you believe. For if he had been here, my brother would not have died. Here is the salient point. Here is a trick. Jesus had always been there. Yes, your situation might seem hopeless and beyond repair or even impossible to you. Nevertheless, we serve a God that can turn hopeless situations around. We serve a God that specializes in our impossibilities. Desperation is the breeding ground of miracles. God often places us in hopeless situations so that our desperation can focus on no one else but him for his strength will always be made perfect in our weakness. So if this is where you find yourself today, if you are in a desperate situation, my brothers and sisters, God can still turn it around. He can, with just one word, say, remove the stone. And the stone has to be moved. Peace, be still, and peace come over your lives. Do not be afraid. And the spirit of fear has to dissipate. So, so, so what is the stone in your life today? Uh, what is it that you need God to remove so that you can walk in your breakthrough? I don't know what your stone is. But here is what I do know. That God's word will not return to him void. And if he said it, he will do it. He will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. The question is, right, which is the real crux of the story, do you believe? Do you believe? Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always Hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. So here's what I say. Here's what I say. Only believe. Only believe. Because Jesus already said the word. He's already said the word that's going to bring you the deliverance you need. Only believe. And now he'll send all the people around you that will help to remove your stone. Unless you believe that Jesus did come born of a virgin, you can have no hope. Unless you believe that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, you can have no hope. Unless you believe that Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried, you can have no hope. And unless you believe that on the third day, he rose from the grave and ascended into heaven and sits now at the right hand of God the Father. And from thence he shall come and judge the quick and the dead. Unless you believe what I have just said, my brothers and my sisters, you don't have any hope. 
That is the gospel. That is the gospel truth. Because I love this about Jesus. Not only did he raise the dead, but just to show you how good he is, he raised himself from the dead. That's my Jesus. And that's the same Jesus that I preach to you today. So I don't know what it is that's going on in your life. But what I can tell you is African Americans, and indeed all Americans have hope that somehow Breonna Taylor's family will have justice and that our justice system will eventually serve all our people. Uh, people across this nation, and I dare say, even in this entire world, have hope that come November 3rd, in this 2020 presidential election, it will be the dawning of a new day in America and in this global economy. That's what I'm saying. But, but, but in both of these cases that I've just outlined, if our hope is built on anything else but on Jesus Christ's blood and on his righteousness, then even while we may want to see justice for Brianna, even though we may want to see a new day for this nation and this world, the fact of the matter is all of that hope will be in vain. Jesus is our hope. So whether or not those things materialize, we must be firm in our faith as we believe that Jesus and Jesus alone will do what? He will work all things together for the good of those that love him and those who are called according to his purpose. These days must come. These challenges and these struggles must be faced. But we do not grieve as those who have no hope, for our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. So you might have a problem you can't handle. It may be bigger than you are and out of your control, but God can handle it. He can cut it down to size and bring it to Jesus. And Jesus, if you trust him and believe in him, he will restore your life. Jesus is our hope and glory. Believe Jesus. He will not fail. Never give up on God. And won't you, my brothers and sisters, remove that stone of unbelief in your life today? For if you can do this, if you can do this, then Jesus says, be unbound and be free. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.